0: On right now with Jim Dawes, your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America first perspective. On the Mojo Five O radio network, and now on the Talk America radio network, and streaming on demand on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. You can follow me on Twitter at Right Now Jim Dawes, or shoot me an email at Right Now at Jim Dawes. Right now, jimdaws at gmail.com. I've got a voicemail line set up. You can leave a message there, and we might use your call on a future broadcast. That number is 772 245 0750. That's 772 245 0750. Yeah, I was just perusing the news this morning and saw the photographs of President Trump's state visit to the United Kingdom, where he was disembarking from his plane and being greeted by Queen Elizabeth I at uh, Buckingham Palace. And you can't help but notice uh, what a fabulously, really stunningly beautiful woman uh, First Lady Melania Trump is. And you know since she's been in office she hasn't appeared on the cover of one of the one single fashion magazine uh, that are put out by our uh, cultural betters in new york and and hollywood if melania trump was a democrat uh, she would be getting the full bore uh, jackie onassis treatment there's no doubt about it this woman is setting uh, all of the fashion trends well all of the Real fashion trends, I should say, um and the outfits that she wears you you might recall when she first came to office, these lunatic designers were falling all over themselves, declaring that they were going to refuse to dress Melania Trump. none of them had ever been asked, and of course she has no interest in wearing uh, many of them was clothes, but the top designers, like Gucci and Laron and uh if saint Laurent and others um most certainly have worked with the former model and uh and the clothes she wears are uh, absolutely fabulous. She does a fabulous job representing um the United States in these foreign trips and the trip to the United Kingdom was no exception. I'm not going to get into the the fashion her fashion choices because I'm not qualified but I will say that she uh, is stunningly beautiful and uh really dressed to the nines. And it is uh just disheartening to uh to see her not giving being given her dues uh as a uh, a fashion icon but um back to the real news of the day, it was uh learned over the weekend that the uh, Michael Flynn prosecutors, the Mueller team uh have misrepresented many of the statements that they've been uh, flogging in the Mueller report and in the prosecution of Michael Flynn for these last two years, and in fact, left out a key um, sentence from their transcripts of the recording by the deep state um, on uh, Flynn with his com- with his conversation with the Russian ambassador Ambassador Kislyak uh, that uh, that. Put the thing into context and made it look far less sinister than it actually was. So um, this is uh, Judge Sullivan who is presiding over Flynn's sentencing. He's pled guilty to lying, one uh, count of perjury before or lying to the FBI. They have yet to say what exactly Michael Flynn lied about, and uh, the judge in the case, Sullivan. Got, got tired of uh, them refusing to answer the question of what in fact Flynn was being accused of lying about and ordered that the calls and the, um, uh, the redacted portion of the Mueller report that dealt with this issue be made public and delivered to his courtroom. They, they steadfastly refused, defied, I should say, that judge's order. Now, Um, If you know anything about the judicial system, basically federal judges are just sort of being gods, at least within their own courtroom. And the fact that the Mueller prosecution team refused to comply with the judge's uh, stated order leads you to believe that there is something that they're hiding that they uh, they don't want. Release now they'll argue that these are national security secrets we've seen this um this little two step shell game before what in fact it indicates is that um the the whole uh, perjury charge and plea deal against Michael Flynn is a sham they uh were pressuring him to try to. Turned some sort of evidence against Trump or his campaign. And in doing so, they were threatening his family, his son-in-law in particular. No, I'm sorry, it's his actual son. His son in particular, they were threatened to prosecute him as well. And so Flynn pled guilty to the least of these uh, these charges that they were threatening to bring against him. And that was this process crime of perjury. But in fact, it appears now that there was no perjury, and and uh, in the statement that was held before, uh, that was given before the House Intelligence Committee, uh, it was learned that the FBI agents that interviewed Michael Flynn at the time did not believe that he lied to them. It was only after the Mueller team took over this case that they ginned up this charge of lying to FBI agents. And if you know anything about the federal uh, prosecution issue, you know that that the feds win 97% of the cases they prosecute, either in trial or by settling. Because the federal government has almost unlimited resources and staff, and they can grind you into the dirt if you dare oppose them. So, by far, the largest percentage of uh, defendants, I think it's over 90%, uh, percent, choose to plead out to some charge to avoid a long prison, uh, prison sentence, which the feds will gleefully threaten you with if you refuse to plead guilty. And those few that uh, do fact, uh, fight it in court are uh, usually lose as well. So you have to wonder... If the Mueller team, which still does exist, uh, the remnants of, you know, his prosecutorial team, uh, is refusing a federal judge's court order, what exactly are they hiding? Is it exculpatory evidence that they have misled the court to believe doesn't exist? If it is, then they're guilty of uh, deceiving the court, very similar to what uh, Comey and the Department of Justice did with the FISA court, leaving out exculpatory evidence uh, in the Carter Page case. Uh, they may be doing once again in this uh, this case in uh, Judge Sullivan's courtroom. And if there is this exculpatory evidence that shows that the FBI agents who believed that Michael Flynn was not lying to them were correct, and the government ish, um, uh, entered. A plea on uh on Flynn's behalf to something that wasn't true, they're going to be in serious trouble with Judge Sullivan. I think this should be one of the very first thing uh that that Bill Barr looks at. He ought to look at the conduct of the the Mueller prosecution in its handling of Michael Flynn and make damn sure that Michael Flynn is at least guilty of this charge with which they are prosecuting him on. And if he's not, he should direct those charges to be dropped. They've they've squeezed every last ounce of information out of Michael Flynn at this point. None of it has implicated the Trump uh, campaign or the president himself in any sort of collusion or conspiracy with Russia. And they basically destroyed a 30-year military, um, I don't want to call him a hero because that word's largely overused, but he is certainly a great American patriot in this fevered attempt to get Trump at all costs. You know, if I if I had uh, been advising the president, I would have... Um, Pardoned Michael Flynn long ago, of course. Mueller would have said, though, that uh, that's obstruction of justice, ignoring the fact that the president's constitutionally authorized authority to carry on these kind of acts cannot, by law, constitute an obstruction of justice. If you if you were to hold the president to that standard, he would be besieged by every prosecutor. N- suffering from trump derangement syndrome in this nation all they would say well the trump well, the president carried out his official duties there for a corrupt intent and they could say well the corrupt intent of securing the border was uh you know trump is a racist or some some uh never trump uh, rantings and ravings so Michael Flynn should most certainly, at this point, uh, be relieved of this ongoing um, jihad against him. And uh, and these charges should be dropped. And I'm hoping that Judge Sullivan, who has been abused by federal prosecutors before, I'm trying to remember the, the name of the Senator Stevens in uh, the Alaskan Senator, had federal prosecutors go after him, in Sullivan's courtroom, and it turned out that they misrepresented the evidence against Stevens, and Stevens' uh, conviction after he was hounded from office was overturned. I don't think Senator Stevens lived to see that. He, he had a plane; his plane went down in Alaska, and uh, he died. I think that happened prior to. This um, this verdict against him being overturned. Well, another big item in the news is uh, these tariffs that the Trump administration has placed on Mexico uh, because Mexico has basically facilitated the uh, the assault by uh, Central American migrants, um, family units on our southern border. And what they're uh, what they're doing is they're, as we covered on Friday, instituting five percent tariffs on all goods coming into the United States from Mexico on June tenth, and those uh, tariffs will increase by five percent on the first of each month, unless and until Mexico takes certain actions to secure its border, and that the the, the main one being to uh, to keep. These uh, Central Americans from Guatemala, Guatemala, El Salvador, and Honduras, from transiting the two thousand miles through Mexico and coming to our border, and it's uh, relatively easy for Mexico to do that. They've got a hundred and fifty mile border on the southern end of uh, Mexico. It's a it's a peninsula. It's not the Yucatan Peninsula. It's another. Peninsula that uh, reaches down into Central America. It's much easier to secure 150 miles of border than it is to secure 2,200 miles of border like we have to do in the United States. Now, we could do that if it weren't for the Democrat Congress steadfastly opposing uh, securing our borders. They like it just the way it is. They're transforming the demographics of this country, and they want to continue to do so. And as soon as they get uh, another, you know, several million uh, Central American migrants in here, they'll immediately start uh, being, beating the drum for amnesty for them as well. They'll 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 broach it by saying, "Well, those children, it's not their fault they were brought here. They were brought here through no no fault of their own. We have to give them citizenship status." And oh, by the way, since they've got citizenship status, you certainly can't throw their parents out. That would be breaking up families. So, you know, the globalists uh, have – the globalists and the think tanks in Washington, D.C. that are there to subordinate America's economic interest to that of uh, the nations with cheap labor like China and Mexico. They immediately started beating their their scare drums that tariffs on Mexican goods will hurt American consumers. And at the margins – There may be some uh, some increased costs, you know, on avocados and uh, and other items that are imported from Mexico. But if it helps solve this problem of this crisis on the southern border, then it'll be a net win for the nation because it costs the United States about one hundred and fifty to two hundred and fifty billion dollars each and every year on costs associated with this uh this illegal immigration so you never hear the globalists talk about the downside of failing to uh to use these tariffs to force mexico to um you know stop facilitating this traffic and you know what occurs to me when when do people why are they not challenging these globalists these globalists have been wrong about everything for the last 30 years. They have cost this nation millions and millions of good paying manufacturing jobs and bled this country of trillions of dollars of wealth with their globalist pronouncements on free trade. They have been wrong each and every time and they're stuck on stupid. They don't give a damn how much damage they do to the United States in pursuit of these uh these free trade agendas that benefit wall, wall street so greatly and you just have to wonder uh, when do people start tuning them out when do they stop listening to these idiots the truth of the matter is mexican uh there are there are uh there's competition in these markets and the competition has been set and if you put uh, uh, 5 And then 10 and 15, and I think they said that these tariffs will top out at 25% around October 1st. If you put those tariffs on Mexican goods, they can't raise their prices. They'll just lose that market share to other um, manufacturers. So they'll be forced to eat it. And I can tell you the Mexicans economy is not strong enough to stand up to much of that. Now, what will happen is very quickly the business interests that are there because of cheap labor will force Mexicans President Manuel Obador to uh, to start securing their southern border and maybe even crack down on these human trafficking gangs that are uh, that have this conveyor belt that are delivering hundreds of thousands of Central American migrants including Little children that they swap around, uh, they'll they'll crack down on that. I've got a clip here. This is um, uh, Peter Navarro, one of the president's trade negotiators, and he is talking about uh, the what this policy is designed to do and uh, how it's going to do it.
1: Well, uh, what we've got is uh, an industry in Mexico that's been growing for decades. Mexico has basically been abusing this country for decades with the export of illegal... Aliens and drugs And it's become a multi-billion dollar industry We have essentially a conveyor belt That runs from the southern Border of Mexico up to our border That on any given day Judge, there's over a 100,000 Illegal aliens transiting Along that conveyor belt Trucks, buses, trains A series of checkpoints where government Officials make money off corruption Where they extract the bite or the mordida From them And uh, Congress has refused to act Amazing. the mexicans agreed to taking uh, some of these uh, asylum seekers but they've reneged on that because they're only taking a small handful and right now the u.s is bearing the entire burden of this national emergency it's a threat to our national security and our economy and this is how we got to that what we need to do is we need to shift the cost burden to mexico so that they will do what we are asking them to do and it's a three-part plan judge uh, the, the Tariffs here are a regulatory response to a crisis on our border, Judge. And what this will do uh, is it will force the Mexicans to bear the costs uh, of not doing what they should be doing, which is handling this crisis. They will bear the cost uh, with their producers in terms of being forced to lower their prices, experience lowered profits, fewer jobs there. And instead, uh, uh, what they're doing now is making billions of dollars off this trade in illegal uh, aliens and drugs. It seems to be a partnership in some sense between the government and these transnational drug cartels. The biggest thing we need, Judge, is for them to take the asylum seekers on their own soil for two reasons. One uh, is that once the people in Central America realize they can't come here and they'll be in Mexico, they won't be coming here. And number two, Mexico actually has tougher laws so that they can repatriate these illegal legal aliens back to central america so this is a key part all right peter
0: well i would argue the first thing you need to do is secure mexico's southern border they are perfectly capable of doing that excuse me uh they're perfectly capable of doing that and the only reason they don't do it is because there are huge profits to be made uh in graft and corruption to local mexican officials probably leaks its way all the way up to the national government by, uh, by this human trafficking. And, uh, you know, these are the, the people in Congress that are opposing the president doing anything about this have been telling us for the longest time that there's no crisis on the southern border. This is not an emergency. And they've got the president in court right now challenging his emergency declaration, and they've got an injunction to stop him from building the wall. The country, the nation, cannot stand up to this kind of abuse and neglect for much longer. Uh, You know, I'm a a great nationalist, but uh, the way our founders set up this country is for people who had the best interest, interest of the country to run the nation. We've got a party, a political party, that the founders never envisioned political parties, by the way, but we've got a political party in charge of one house of Congress, one chamber of Congress that actually does not have the interests of the American nation at its heart. They want to destroy the traditional American nation and uh, and replace it with a new uh, Marxist type of uh, nation, very similar to what you see these people from Central America trying to escape from. And we have basically got uh, barbarians within the gates. It is a... It is a full-fledged war, and I don't think that the country is going to be able to survive it at this rate uh, for too long. If the American people don't wake up, start recognizing the Democrat Party for what it is, and turn them out, I think our future is uh, in great doubt. I've got one more clip for you. This is from uh, Milk Mulvaney appearing on Meet the Press with uh, Upchuck Todd. And talking about these uh, these Mexican tariffs, let me move to the tariff decision. Can you explain what Mexico what you believe the Mexican government can do that it is not doing
2: Sure um, number one, they can secure
0: their How about anything <laughs> what the Mexican government is doing that they are not doing they're not doing anything. They're taking a handful of repatriated asylum uh, claimants. Uh, far, far fewer than they said they would when when they uh, promised to do that in order to keep Trump from closing the border. But they're not doing anything. They're they're profiting from this. They they are all for it. I think uh, their president said America is for migrants. So he doesn't believe the United States has any uh, right to cl- to secure its border to begin with. Do that? It is not doing sure. We're going to run out of time, and I, I don't want to get. Uh, run that clip uh, sell it short when we come back from these messages we're going to talk about uh, toxic masculinity you might have seen that uh, Meryl Streep said something that by first blush actually seemed like it makes sense but don't uh, don't believe that for a second I don't think Meryl Streep is actually capable of saying anything that makes any sense And then we're going to dig deep into this Bill Barr interview on CBS last week. I think it was on Friday. And what it might portend for the deep state wrongdoers. We're going to run out to a break. We'll be back after two messages. Stick with us on Right Now with Jim Dawes.
2: Every day we rise
3: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Well, as we went out to break, we were playing a clip from Mick Mulvaney appearing on Chuck Todd's Meet the Press. And we'll get back to that on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O radio network. So Mulvaney was appearing with Chuck Todd and talking about what exactly he wants Mexican government to do to avoid these 5% tariffs. The whole of the Washington establishment has mobilized all hands on deck to try to, to, try to shut down these tariffs and it's really sad to see the way they're using the farmers and the ranchers uh in this issue because the truth is they are uh the the most hurt by any trade wars with uh with China or Mexico because what they did uh with these trade deals these globalists was basically turn the United States into a third world economy where we're just selling commodities and uh and energy to the to other nations, while they import um, their uh, or export their high valued value added manufacturing goods into the United States, the way you tell the difference between a developed first world economy and a um, an uh, undeveloped third world economy is by looking at the goods that they um. That they export or you know make their money on, and if you 've got an economy that's based on agriculture and energy and and other commodities without putting the people to work and adding value to those commodities then that 's basically a third world economy and that is what uh, our trade profile with China and Mexico and these other big countries looks like we 're not exporting value added products we're we're exporting uh agriculture, and um, at this point, petroleum products. That's great. It aids in the bottom line of the gross domestic product, but it does not employ a lot of people, and it does not take the natural resources of this country and turn them into high-value, value-added goods and services. So... Whenever we get into these trade wars, the first thing these opponents do is target our farmers and ranchers and uh, petroleum exporters because they know that that is an Achilles uh, heel, especially because a lot of these soybeans that they're always talking about are grown in Iowa, which is an early primary state that, uh, that everybody wants to, uh, to cater to. And Chuck Todd on Meet the Press tries to pretend with Milk Mulvaney that, uh, yo, what do you expect Mexico to do? Shouldn't you be using more of a carrot with Mexico? We have have turned Mexico into a backwater third world economy, into a fledgling emerging economy with NAFTA. And what have we got in return? How have we been rewarded? We've been rewarded by Mexico refusing to do anything to stop this conveyor belt that is delivering hundreds of thousands of Central American migrants to the southern border. So here's the rest of this clip with Mick Mulvaney.
2: Um number one, they can secure their southern border. Keep in mind what's lost in the discussion about this is that most of the people coming across, I think on average about 4,500 people came across last night. That compares to 700 people a, a day just two years ago. Most of those folks are not Mexican. They are Guatemalans, they are Hondurans and that border along the southern, Mexi- uh, the southern Mexico needs to be secured. It's much easier to secure that border than it is our border because it's so much shorter. It's about quarter of the length. They could do that. The Mexican government can crack down on their domestic terrorist organizations, their crime organizations. Right now, in Mexico, Mm -hmm. there's roughly 100,000 people trying to move up to the the U.S. border. They don't do that by themselves. They do that with the cooperation of these these crime groups. The Mexicans can do more there. And lastly, they can make Mexico a safe third country. Keep in mind, if you you leave a country, say you leave El Salvador, you say, I'm I'm seeking asylum, the law says you're supposed to seek asylum in the first safe country in which you arrive. Mexico is safe. The Mexican government can can address this so that
0: the way the Democrats and their, uh, their um, servants in the courts have damaged this country by refusing to secure our southern border is, in fact, a high crime and misdemeanor. It, it is treason to refuse to do anything to protect the American people and allow people to just uh, walk into your country and set up house illegally. And if 20 million people in your country illegally committing crimes, driving down wages, taking jobs, isn't an invasion worthy of an emergency response, I really don't know what would constitute that. But you're going to hear this steady drumbeat from the globalists that have gotten us into these economic messes to begin with that, uh, tr- that tariffs don't work and that they're going to hurt american consumers and that will be true at the margins but you have to sort of tune them out because you have to remember that they're the people that got us into these messes to begin with and in the long run it will solve far more problems than it uh, that it creates and most certainly mexico will comply with this once uh, these tariffs uh, start running up uh, you know to 10 15 20 and 25 percent Well, you may have seen on Fox News and uh, it's been a topic of discussion on the other talk shows that uh, Meryl Streep, a a Trump derangement syndrome sufferer, if ever there was one, uh, came out in an interview and slammed the term toxic masculinity, saying that uh, men are toxic and and women are toxic. And uh, that uh, that term really doesn't mean anything. Well, I would agree with her to an extent. Uh, there are toxic women just the same as toxic men, but uh, that really doesn't tell the whole story. And you may be surprised to hear me admit that there is, in fact, such things as toxic masculinity. Um, I'm not saying that um, that most men are uh, guilty of toxic masculinity. As a matter of fact, it's a, it's a, a fairly small minority, but it is growing. I'll tell you why it's growing in a second. But the, the flip side of toxic masculinity, of course, is virtuous max masculinity. And virtuous masculinity is what the leftists want to destroy. You know, they say women can be toxic too. That is true. But women's toxic femininity is far less destructive. And what's odd about this whole equation is women become more toxic in the absence of virtuous men. And the key to creating virtuous men and minimizing toxic masculinity is socialization. But the mechanisms for socialization in our in our um, civilization have been failing. They've been undermined. They've been subverted. And there are a whole cast of characters that are guilty of this Rise in toxic masculinity and this uh shrinking of virtuous masculinity and you can start with popular culture if you look at um movies and t v these days they they all celebrate the anti hero, the guy that um you know ignores his responsibilities. The larger society, they like to put on the the anti-hero that is um, dark and brooding and uh, torn and conflicted between what is right and wrong, and they make those the heroes. It's not like the old days with uh, you know um, John Wayne or or um, oh, I'm trying to. Remember the Marshall Dillon or any of those guys that were clear cut, knew the difference between right and wrong, and never shirked from um, you know standing up for what is right. Those heroes are gone now. it is all a conflicted mess, and even when in the end these uh, these heroes in uh, film and television do right, it is after um, failing. You know, in in some regard, another big failure of society to socialize men properly is this absolute saturation of pornography that's all over the Internet. And little boys, as they're they're growing up and learning the difference between right and wrong and trying to figure out, you know, how to have relations with women. Are exposed to this uh, this perverse porn that really just twists their mind now, most boys are able to overcome this um, this assault of degeneracy on on their psyches, but a growing number of boys are not, and these uh, these kids are starting to enter into uh, adulthood now with a profound disrespect for women and not knowing how they're supposed to properly relate to women in wholesome sexual relations. You've got rap music that absolutely celebrates this, uh, this degenerate um, misogynistic culture that is, uh, that is tearing apart virtuous masculinity. They make heroes out of people who abuse women and, um, and are, you know, basically thugs and criminals. And what's uh, really amazing about, you know, this rise of toxic masculinity is it, it has been promoted by feminists who say that they oppose it. They practice misandry. They hate men. They try to pretend that the, the toxic males are a majority and that they would have you believe that all men are somehow suspect and guilty by virtue of their gender of being oppressors and um, less than, than men really are. And they attack virtuous men, and seem to, in many cases, turn a blind eye to real toxic masculinity, as um, evidenced in their absolute refusal to acknowledge the um, the the uh, what's the word I'm looking for the destructive nature of Sharia law. Where they uh, abuse women and treat them as uh, as basically property, they won't say a word about that. But they'll they'll attack um, you know Western men, and instead of celebrating the good deeds or the the virtuous men, they try to paint them all with broad brushes, suffering from this toxic masculinity. And really, you know, probably the number one. Reason that um, for the rise of toxic masculinity and the the fall of virtuous men is the lack of fathers in homes. The truth of the matter is um, when boys are coming up they're uh, they're so full of testosterone that if that is not properly uh, channeled and socialized then it will turn toxic at least until that male gets out of his twenties. It is absolutely critical to have a male role model in the house, both to socialize growing males and to make sure that they're punished for antisocial toxic behavior. They've taken corporal punishment out of schools, you know, um, they They say that it does you know great damage to uh to these young men's psyche well uh, it may harm males on the margin, but uh you know it's it's like training um you, you have to have risks or you have to have rewards and punishments and the benefits of corporal punishment far outweighed the harm that it ever did to any uh any young man in this country. It worked for centuries. And now you've got a total breakdown of discipline in the schools, because these boys know that uh, the worst that'll happen to them is they'll get a note sent home to their parents, many of which couldn't care less. So yeah, you, we we need to preserve due process. Uh, you know, on campus, the uh, the toxic masculinity. Fever has gotten so bad that they assume that men are that are uh, accused of wrongdoing are guilty, and the the male is required to prove his innocence, turning turning the whole presumption of guilt on its head. But the big thing we have to do is get getting back to harnessing masculinity for its virtuous characteristics and stop celebrating the toxic um, parts of masculinity get back to socializing young boys and men and rewarding uh, and celebrating those things that are good and um, and discouraging those that are bad. Because allowed to just run amok and not not be harnessed and channeled into proper expressions, masculinity can be toxic. And that's where I disagree with uh, Meryl Streep on this. let's see where do we what's the next story oh it turns out that um that little kim <laughs> has executed the guy that was in charge of the uh, denuclearization negotiations with the trump administration i can't remember his name but uh, you know that guy that they were sending into washington to washington to negotiate with um pompeo trump walked away from the negotiations there in Vietnam. And so the Kim has done what the Kim family has been doing. If anybody fails, uh, they execute them and, and they do it in uh, the most gruesome way. They evidently take them to a military base and they shoot them with an anti-tank missile <laughs> and just atomize them. So uh, this really tells you something about the the challenge we're up against with uh, Kim and the North Koreans getting their hands on a nuclear weapon. These people are insane. And Kim Jong-un is an insane madman that never can be allowed to get his hands on nuclear weapons. And if it it takes going over there with a squadron of B-52s and dropping bunker busters on his nuclear program, then uh, that's what we're going to have to do. And we need to do it at a time. Well, actually, what we need to do is uh, tell China that's what's going to happen if they don't uh, do something to rein in their client state. They have been using the threat um, of North Korean nukes against the United States in order to try to advance their trade agenda, and they haven't delivered on a single um thing that they have promised but if it comes down to um, well i mean the the, th- the the thing is they say if we drop bunker busters on their nuclear programs that there will be a release of nuclear materials and there that is true but given the choice between a, a release of nuclear materials on north korean soil or on hawaii or California, I would say we'd have to choose the former. So here's where we're going to get in deep into these, uh, these Bill Barr um, statements that he made to CBS News. If you haven't listened to this, I'd encourage you to go on and listen to the entire interview. It's available on a podcast on SoundCloud and other platforms. Uh, it lasts about an hour. And when you're listening to it, you will realize that we finally, after the first two and a half years of the Trump administration, got an adult in the room running the Department of Justice. And it will really show you the contrast between these lunatic Democrats on the House Judiciary Committee who held this man in contempt and reality that Bill Barr is a sober, judicious consummate professional who is not going to shirk away from his duties to get to the truth and make sure that the uh, law enforcement and intelligence agencies in this country were not used to political ends and that's what's got the establishment Washington absolutely freaking out because it's pretty clear uh, after two years of this Russiagate hoax that, in fact, that's exactly what went on. So the first clip I'm going to play you here is pushing back on Robert Mueller's claim that he could not reach a conclusion on whether or not Trump committed an obstruction of justice because of the so-called Office of, or Office of Legal Counsel opinion saying you could not indict a sitting president. And that's, uh, that's the line that Mueller put out in his uh, press conference last Wednesday, Totally bogus. It's not up to the special counsel to indict to begin with. He's just supposed to be a fact finder and saying he refused to find the facts because you can't indict a sitting president. just doesn't make any sense unless you are one of these partisans that just wants to believe anything you need to believe in order to impeach this president. Here's what Barr had to say about Mueller's statement.
3: We saw the special counsel yesterday uh, make that statement. He analyzed 11 instances where there were possible obstruction. Uh, and then said that he really couldn't make a decision. Do you agree with that interpretation?
4: Uh, I personally felt he could have reached a decision. In your view, he could have reached a conclusion. Right, he could have reached a conclusion. Uh, The opinion says you can't indict a a president while he's in office, but he could have reached a decision as to whether it was criminal activity. But uh, he had his reasons for not doing it, which he explained. And I'm not going to, you know, argue about those reasons. uh, But when he didn't make a decision, the Deputy Attorney General, Rod Rosenstein, and I felt it was necessary for us uh, as the heads of, uh, the, of the department to reach that decision.
3: Well, I mean, he seemed to suggest yesterday that there was another venue for this, and that was Congress. Well, I, I'm, I'm not sure what he was suggesting, but, you know, the
4: Department of Justice doesn't use our powers of investigating crimes as an adjunct
0: to Congress. In other words, the special counsel wasn't there to generate an impeachment report, which is exactly what uh, Bill Barr tried to do. And he was losing that battle, and that's the reason he went out and did that presser last Wednesday. But, you know, Barr wants to highlight the so-called obstruction of justice. If you're if you were buying into any of that, I would just refer you directly to the report. It's uh, in the middle of the second volume where they detail these, it's actually 10, uh, instances of what they try to say um, may or may not be an instance of obstruction of justice. they just couldn 't make up their mind. And look at how flimsy these ten counts are. None of them are any by any stretch of the imagination, an actual obstruction. In other words, no action actually took place that in any way hindered Mueller 's investigation. What they rise to at the very most, even giving Mueller the entire benefit of the doubt, is a attempted possible obstruction of justice. In other words, no action came out of it that obstructed justice. And even if it did, it may not have constituted obstruction of justice to begin with. An attempted possible obstruction of justice. That is what the Democrats are working with when they're considering whether or not this constitutes a high crime or misdemeanors, please. Every one of these actions, even if they had been followed through on were well within the president's constitutionally granted authority. And there's no reason at all to believe that they were motivated by a corrupt intent rather there 's every reason to believe that uh, Trump, who was falsely accused, was trying to get on with the business of the uh, running the country, and he was absolutely right that Mueller was uh, fatally conflicted in holding this office this uh, This next clip i 'm going to play you is um, Barr responding to criticisms from these uh, these never trumpers
3: when you um see some of the criticism and you've gotten quite a bit of it uh that you're protecting the president that you're enabling the president what's your response to that
4: well uh, i we live in a hyper-partisan age where people no longer really pay attention to the substance of what's said but as to who says it and what side they're on and what its political ramifications are uh The Department of Justice is all about the law and the facts and the substance. And I'm going to make the decisions based on the law and the facts. And I realize that's in tension with the political climate we live in because people are more interested in getting their way politically. Uh, So I think it just goes with the territory of being attorney general in a hyperpartisan
0: period of time. You know, when you listen to that podcast, and I hope you will... I want you to uh, then go and read some of the coverage of it by the rabid left-wing press where they call this man um, a wild liar and uh, just any every um, derogatory term they can think of you know his his uh, level-headed judicious and and honest statements are interpreted by these uh, these leftist lunatics to be um, you know proof of corruption so any effort, you know, to try to get to the truth and determine, you know, what exactly went on with uh, Brennan and Comey and Clapper deploying the uh, intelligence and law enforcement mechanisms of this government, the spying mechanisms of this government against a political campaign, that's just assumed to be correct And in any uh, investigation into why that happened is somehow assumed to be illegitimate. And therein, you know that they are being dishonest and actually anti-American. I want to get this clip in before we go today. This is Barr telling Jan Crawford at CBS that, yes, in fact, there was spying.
3: You've testified that you believe spying occurred yes. into the Trump campaign. Yes. Yes. Um, you've gotten some criticism for using that word.
4: Yeah, I mean, I guess it's become a dirty word somehow. It has never been for me. I think there's nothing wrong with spying. The question is always whether it's authorized by law.
3: Some former intelligence chiefs have said the president has made that word somewhat pejorative, uh, that they're spying, that this is a witch hunt, this is a hoax. And so your use of that word makes it seem that you're uh, being a loyalist. Uh, you know, it's part of the...
0: Heaven forbid the Attorney General of the United States would be a loyalist
4: craziness of the modern day that if a president uses a word then all of a sudden it becomes off bounds it's a perfectly good english word i'll continue to use it
3: what have you seen what evidence what makes you think i need to take a look at this
4: like many other people who are familiar with intelligence activities i had a lot of questions about what was going on and i assumed I'd, i'd get answers when i went in and i have not gotten answers that are all satisfactory and and in fact have probably more questions and that some of the facts uh that, that I've learned uh, don't hang together with the official explanations of what happened.
3: What do you mean by that?
4: That's that's all I really will say. Things are just not jiving. You've tested.
0: They're they're not jiving. They never would jive. They don't hold up to scrutiny. That's why official Washington is uh, freaking out. You know, in Mueller's um, interview, there he says that um, you know he's not concerned about his reputation because all men die, and he doesn't buy into the Homeric belief that uh, when people sing your praises that you'll live for centuries the truth of the matter is if bill barr uh, overcomes this fevered swamp in washington to get to the bottom of what happened in 2016 he will be in fact celebrated and his legacy will be cemented as one of the great attorney generals in history well that takes us to the end of this edition of right now with jim doll's want to thank you for joining us and invite you back here again tomorrow on the Mojo 50 radio network on the Talk America radio network we'll talk to you then